Welcome to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number six, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. On today's episode, I sat down with Mandy Ballack, the driving force behind Date Night and the Ace class in Calgary. She's been one of my role models since I first went to one of her spin classes and interned for her magazine. She's done an amazing job in bringing women together to form a community of support and inspiration. Mandy shares her journey of starting date night in university, what she learned from having to shut down a magazine, and where the ACE class grew from during those tough years. Welcome to the show, Mandy Ballack. Welcome back to the podcast. I am sitting here with Mandy Ballack. Um, thank you for sitting down with me. I'm super excited to chat. Me too. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah. So for people who don't know you, can you give a little introduction to yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm the founder of two businesses here in Calgary. Um, it's Date Night, which was established in 2012, and the ACE class. And ACE started in 2017. ACE is an acronym for Activate, Cultivate, Empower. And, uh, you know, we do great events and experiences for women. Cool. And they're great events. Date Night puts great events on. Ace Class does great events. I've been to most of them, so I can vouch for that. Yes. (laughs) Um, Do you want to share your story for how Date Night came to be? Yes. It feels like a million lives ago at this point when I started Date Night, but um, Date Night started as the result of a university project when I was at U of C. And I guess the road that brought me to bring date night to life was actually dated back to my frustration of moving to Calgary from Vancouver, which was 10 years ago. And when I first got to Calgary, um, you know, I had originally moved here for a long distance relationship. Um, you know, I came out for Stampede for the first time and I was like, this place is awesome. As people do. As, yeah, as people do. <laughs> it's a good trick if you're ever trying to get a, a girl to move or a guy to move to Calgary, bring them out during Stampede. Um, and uh, by the time I packed my bags and, and moved out here, it was in September and the first snowfall. And um, I was really regretting that decision. And, uh, you know, as time went on, I was missing the lifestyle that Vancouver offered and, you know, just the culture and the food and dining scene and things like that. And Calgary has grown so much in the past 10 years, but, um, I found myself kind of doing the same old thing all the time and struggling to make friends and going to Earl's for date night. And it was, um, it was really affecting me personally. And I was committed to making some changes to make my relationship better on one, but also, you know, just my mental well-being. I was like, something has to give. And so I was really, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with picking up like every magazine, every publication, um, you know, cruising for events or, you know, things to do in the city. And what I found that there was actually a lot going on, but there wasn't a place, there wasn't, you know, just that one place that I could go and, and find everything. And so that seed was planted with me then. And, um, you know, I did the token oil and gas job uh, that people do when they when they move to the city. And uh, that was an experience I was really grateful to have because it was definitely not for me. It was a total boys club. And I decided to go back to school. So I was 21 when I decided to go back to university for the second time. I had already attempted and you know, decided it wasn't for me when I was 18 out of, out of high school. And, um, I was 
originally planning on doing a finance degree because that's kind of what society expects of you if you're living in Calgary and working on gas. And that was the hardest I ever had to work for a C. Um, and so that clearly wasn't the right plan. And I was very attracted to the, more of the marketing and marketing side of things. And um, I ended up taking an elective class, which was NT381s, was kind of an intro to entrepreneurship. And our prof of that class, her name is Sandra Malik, and I will never forget this lady. She was so awesome. Not for everybody. Um, and she told us the, the kind of the, the term project on the first day. And I was instantly turned on. I was like, this is amazing. We had to come up to come up with five businesses that we would potentially want to run and pitch the class at the end of the semester. So at this time, I also quit that oil and gas job. And, you know, I was in my third year and still hadn't figured out what I wanted to be when I grow up. So I was like, okay, well, I better take myself seriously. And if I'm going to finish my degree, um, I need to create some space. And so I went back to bartending and serving and, you know, tried to make as much of a normal schedule as I possibly could uh, being a student. And I was, you know, really thinking about all these ideas that uh, I would I would want to present as far as part of my business uh, projects. And this idea kept coming up for me of like, you know, this this guide for for things to do and. I had this guy that sat in my section at the bar that I was working at at the time and he used to always come in and ask me where to go and where to take his, you know, multiple dates on dates and I loved talking to him because I had this like incredible resource in my head of the best places to go for happy hour, the best place to go for activities, the best place to go for restaurants for this. Like I seem to just have memorized everything that was going on in the city on every respective night. And he, it was him that like gave me this light bulb moment one night when I was serving and he's like, why doesn't this exist? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to get off my shift right now and I'm going to go home and finish my project because it's due tomorrow. And this was the night that date night was born. And I kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's hilarious when I look back at the project because I, I made the like original date night logo in paint and Microsoft Word, <laughs> like it was so bad uh, with like clip art and everything. But I had this vision and I knew that the um, challenges I was experiencing in my own personal relationship at the time of, you know, that constant, like, what do you want to do for dinner or what, you know, where do you want to go? And then you do nothing or you do the yeah. same thing or <laughs> you get in a fight or whatever. And I remember Googling date night and, and seeing that like that this didn't exist. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. How does this not exist? And so, um, you know, the guy, the idea was that it was the easy button for planning a night out. And I stayed up all night, like literally didn't shower, didn't sleep, like made this project shine and showed up to class the next day. And I presented to the class and, I saw so many head nods in, in the audience at, in, in that class and I was surprised to see that because I kind of thought I was alone in the sense that maybe this was just because I had moved from other cities. But what I recognized in that moment is that so many other people felt the same way. And 
it had that like super negative effect on their own personal relationships and well-being and so that was something I was really really invested in and really really interested in um, in solving was like okay this could be something um, we could do this and again it's hilarious to kind of look back and look at like the revenue numbers or things like that that I you know the projections it, it was like, insane I thought I was gonna have this like neck the next Google this like global company um, but I put my head down and I, I did the work and um, I ended up winning the class project and um, I won the time of uh, two or three other students that were paired up with me in a group for the rest of the semester to help me do R&D and to help determine if this was a viable business. And that was in October of 2012. And by January of 2013, I had incorporated and I was working with the developer to bring this to life. Had you graduated yet? Or are you still in school? I was still in school, okay. so this was my this was my third year, and I was working so like I I hate school, and I always hated school, and I was always trying to be out of school, and so this was kind of my like moment. I was like, okay, this is it. This is the ticket, and um, I convinced all my profs for the last like year or so of my degree to let me use class time um, to work on my business. I shifted out of the marketing program and into entrepreneurship, so I ended up getting my um, my undergrad, uh, my Bachelor of Commerce in entrepreneurship specifically. And uh, yeah, I used the rest of uh, rest of school time to figure out how I was going to turn this into a business. Wow. <laughs> so then, so you never really had like, did you ever have like a real job or did you just like jump into running date night full time? Yeah, I've always had, I, I was always working and I've always loved to work. Um, you know, I, I had the token things when I was like a little girl of like, you know, selling herring to fishermen or lemonade stands. But I had my first job when I was 12 years old at McDonald's. I worked at Earl's for eight years. I was a mortgage broker. Um, I worked in real estate. I worked for a real estate developer. I worked at Macquarie Capital for in, you know, in, in corporate finance. And so all of those experiences, um, I feel like everything that I do now is such an accumulation of of all of that knowledge and all of that experience and specifically the restaurant experience that I had because, um, you know, a lot of the events that we do are within restaurants or, you know, um, just having that like customer service experience, um, was really, really valuable. Right. And so the, like the first official day of date night, what was the feeling? Were you like nervous about running this or what was your thoughts? Yeah. You know, when I look back, I never... I don't remember feeling nervous and I don't like, I, I, I guess I, there was so much ignorance to be honest that I, I didn't really realize how hard it was going to be. And I didn't know how, um, how much of a challenge, uh, or how audacious it was for me to take it on. And, and certainly working by yourself, um, is, it was, it was, when I look back, I'm just like, I should have gotten help. I should have found a business partner. I should have done this, right? But um, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really remember. <laughs> I don't really remember. It's it's crazy. Like the feeling when it first started um, was just all excitement and possibility. And I remember um, working out of my house, and I got my first intern, and um, it's. Uh, 
this girl named Bronwyn and she was introduced to me by a friend and um, you know she kind of came to my house and would help me write copy and content and at the same time I had this was when Instagram kind of first started and um, again, if I look back at the original date night post, it's like shame, shame, like <laughs> so bad, like no, no understanding of what good content looked like. I feel like no one understood what good content was back no. in like the early no. days. No, Instagram. not, not at all. But I, uh, I do remember it just being really exciting and, and people like not really understanding what I was doing, but I was like, oh, you just wait. Oh, you just wait. It's going to be amazing. And even so, I remember when I was in university, I, was trying to hide my idea from people because I thought that they were going to steal it. So I remember kind of like hogging all this work and all this information. And I was like, Oh, I'm plotting and planning at home and scheming. And like, (laughs) I'm going to create this thing. And like your life's forever going to change. So there's this level of like audacity that comes with, you know, starting anything for sure. But, um, no, it was just, as from what I remember, it was just, I was so excited and I really thought I had, something really amazing right and it's still running full force ahead so what is it now has it changed what has been the evolution of date night till today yeah it's it's definitely evolved and you know date night's mission has always been and will always be to make relationships better and that's the one thing that's been consistent but the way that we've done that has has definitely uh, changed and morphed along the way and um, one thing I had never really put in the original business plan was events and uh, so much of, uh, you know, date night success and, you know, the things that I've really loved to do have been bringing events to life and bringing people together. And um, when I had imagined the company from the beginning, it was, you know, it was an app. It was uh, something that was telling you where to go. It was your pocket concierge, all these things. But I actually really struggled to monetize that when I when I first started out and, um, you know, I, I was bartending, I was teaching spin, I was going to school and um, I was trying to make this work. And um, that actually was the driving force behind me doing my first event um, because I could actually, you know, sell tickets and earn revenue. So it was a first, the first event was speed dating. And uh, basically that meant we were like, calling all the people that we knew that were single and forcing them to come to speed dating. Um, and you know, it was a, it was a ton of fun. It was a big learning experience too, but, um, but, uh, that's kind of, that was the first like evolution that was outside of my original plan. And, you know, I guess since then, I also learned a lot about building an app, building a website platform that worked in the capacity that I needed it to work in. And, Um, the original developer that I had hired, you know, it's not, I I wouldn't say that it's, it's their fault. It was actually more my fault because I didn't understand, uh, user experience. I didn't understand that I was actually starting a tech business if I wanted to do the things that I wanted to do in the way that I wanted it to do it. Um, and so I worked with the developer for about 10 months and that, you know, that, that tag, that price tag was about $50,000. And by the time we ended up launching the website platform, it didn't work. And so that was a, that was obviously devastating. And it was like, oh shit, you know, let's, let's start this over again. And, you know, now in 2018, there's so many things like you can build your own website. There's so many platforms, templates and things like that, that are available for people. So that's great, but that didn't exist at that time. Um, and so I did learn how to build my own, uh, my own website 
kind of relaunched and um, you know along the way we kept getting traction on events and the feedback that we got from people was they really enjoyed that and if you go back to my like original frustration of why I started date night and not feeling like you know there's cool things to do in the city but maybe they weren't necessarily for me or designed for millennials or for you know our age group um, I had that in my hands and I could create create that right so um, you know, those initial people that I started doing Instagram contests for and building the audience in, in that way. We're now coming out to our trivia nights or our, you know, wine bingos or speed dating or whatever. And then that set the tone for us to, you know, explore different experiences and things that we could offer as well. So that's been that's been a big evolution. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's your favorite date night experience in Calgary? Like if you have to go on a date with James, what do you guys do? What's your favorite thing to do? Uh, go bowling. <laughs> That's our thing. Like downstairs, we actually have some really beautiful bowling pins that we found on Kijiji because it's a very special thing for us. Um, we both have our own bowling balls even at oh national. Gosh. Yeah, no, seriously, it's legit. Um, that's a, that's the thing we always say. We're like, we'll always make time for bowling. And the reason I love bowling, like I love... Um, I love an actual activity rather than just going for dinner. Um, I think it's such a valuable thing in a relationship when you can kind of go out and play. Like, you know, it's just, it's fun, it's light, it's like a little bit competitive, um, and you can learn so much about people and how they show up in the those kind of settings, you know? And like... How do you handle losing and bowling? Yeah, like how do they handle this? Like, are they okay with the gutter ball or not? But um, those are kind of our early bonding moments and um, so something really special to us. But we also really enjoy um, each other's like company and conversation. And so uh, Cannibal or Dandy Barenko, like uh, we love going just like grab a cocktail and and hang out and then maybe, uh, you know, trade in the night for some bowling shoes. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So during this journey of date night, somewhere along the way, you decided you should open up a magazine. And that was initially where I started working for you. I interned at Branded. That was like, when I was laid off, I was like, who can I, who can I like find a job with? So I wanted to be a magazine editor when I was growing up and interning at Branded and watching like that happen. I was like, well, maybe we won't do that. I was like, clearly we'll do marketing instead and leave the magazine creating to other people. But tell us about Branded, the journey of it. Totally. Oh God. Um, <laughs> we can't leave out Branded in the can't, story. <laughs> can't leave out Branded in the story. I'm so grateful for the work that we did and for the lessons that I learned from Branded. And it's taken me a long time to get to this place of like the magazine failed. I didn't fail. Um, and that was kind of a big takeaway. Um, it was very thankless work. It was very hard. Like you said, like <laughs> I'm sure your first experience, you're like, okay, this is not what I expected it to be. Um, it's, it's really hard and you know we printed our mistakes 20,000 copies at a time for everyone to see and you know from the first issue and the excitement of getting 20,000 copies to arrive on your door to literally two days after that your phone blowing off the hook or your emails blowing up for people telling me telling you what you fucked up um that was the first time I realized I'm like oh my god I have no idea what I just opened up and you know, I remember there was actually from the very first issue, we worked with a, um, <laughs> I was so proud we sold the back cover to uh, a company and uh, <laughs> their file was submitted with like a transparent background and we thought we had communicated that the magazine was going to be black. They thought the the 
magazine was going to be white and their ad was supposed to be white. And so we printed their logo on a black background. Anyways, I remember that being like the most awful day. So I was supposed to be so excited that I like put all this work in and launched the thing. And no, I was, it was, it was terrifying. Um, that experience, you know, we had a very young team. We had, um, we had a very young team who didn't really have any magazine experience. I certainly didn't have any magazine experience, but I was always driven by the higher purpose of sharing people's stories. And that's something that I have always been incredibly fascinated with is, you know, giving some of the unknowns the opportunity to, to, to share like, and I think there's something super powerful in a story that, you know, if you can, and that's why, you know, podcasts are so popular now it's, it's, you can learn so much from other people. Um, and if people are willing to be like raw and vulnerable with you, um, they, that can provide a really great impact for others. And so that was our intention. We wanted to create branded in a way that was different from the way from other publications. It wasn't just fluff. It had substance and, um, it was a platform for people to share. And, you know, that we did 12 issues. It was two and a half years of my life that, um, were incredibly sacrificing. Um, you know, pounding pavement to make it work, learning how to be a leader, trying to run two companies. Um, it was, it was honestly all hard, but I look back at that now and I'm, I'm so grateful, you know, anything from understanding, uh, proper financials to proper leadership to just don't start a magazine. (laughs) Um, all, all amazing lessons, and I'm I'm really proud of the of the Meg and you know the quality of the Meg that that we did, and you know maybe one day there'll be another one. Yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone, I think no one really knew how hard it was, especially the people that weren't in the office. Yeah. Because I remember even before I I interned for you, I'd get the magazine. I'm like, how do I get on their Instagram? And I spent like weeks being like what's the perfect photo that they'll like repost Mm. like that was my like (laughs) that's so that was my motivation before I even started interning that I was like this is the coolest thing that I've ever experienced that's such an an important lesson (laughs) about optics right it's like what you see on social media about like really cool brands or brands that people love like you know that's why the story is so important it's like let's talk to the founder let's talk to the people in there and see what what is really required right so totally yeah yeah so RIP branded Still working on date night, and then the ace class was born. Yeah. So let's talk about the ace class. I feel like that's what you're most passionate about right now, and what you're starting things in. So tell us about the ace class. Yeah, ace is um, is something I'm very proud of, and I think you know ace is definitely the result of every failure and every experience I've ever had in my life, and it's actually been a really emotional journey for me because. Um, I started without realizing I was I was starting and then I started without realizing why I started. So if that makes any sense, I guess I'll 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 digress. Um, I was obviously dealing with a lot after having to shut the mag down and it was very emotional. It was um, gutting, actually. It was something I had never experienced at this level. I had the my team at that time was basically my family. Um, I had a team of incredible young women on my, um, that worked with me to make branded happen every day and having to even let them know that, you know, our dreams were not going to come to fruition was, um, devastating. 
and letting them go and then dealing with the mess that came with all of that, I didn't actually really know how I was going to even put my energy and my heart back into anything. I really just wanted to kind of stay under the covers every day. Um, but I did get a phone call from uh, someone from ATB and they invited me to be a part of their first cohort for the ATBX. So that's, um, it was kind of an accelerator for startups and talk through, you know, what was going on with date night and they're like, you'd be a great fit. You want to join? And I was a little hesitant because I didn't know if I could really like wrap my head around this at this time, but I did. And one of the most amazing things that ATB offered with this was mentorship. And so they paired me up with a mentor um, who I actually didn't think was going to be a good fit for me. Um, when they had asked the type of mentor that I wanted, I said that I wanted someone to support me in more of like the numbers and the business modeling and finance. Cause those are, you know, that's an area that I need the most support in. Um, and they paired me up with, um, Michelle Berg, who is owns a great company here in Calgary called elevated HR. And I had known Michelle, like we have, um, you know, she did some work with my fiance, James with fiasco, and we know each other just from the community and the chamber of commerce. And I ran, I ran into her at, uh, at an event about two nights before the cohort was about to start. And I said to her straight up, I was like, I don't think this is a good fit. Like, I don't think this is really going to work out. And I remember her saying to me, she's like, let's just try it out. Let's see if it doesn't work. Like it's, it's fine. Like let's do it. I'm like, okay, great. So I'll see you on Tuesday. And so she came in and this day was so incredibly valuable to me. And what Michelle challenged me to do was to go back to my values. And we literally took out a stack of post-its and we started building around this 10 by 10 uh, room, all of the values and all of the reasons I started date night in the first place. And I had this desire to make relationships better. I wanted to support the community. I wanted to provide impact in people's lives with, um, you know, with their relationships and also their relationship with the city, with their, the city that they live in. And I had this like, you know, reignition of that desire that I, you know, that lit the fire under my ass in the first place. And I was like, oh my God, yes, this is, you know, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And Again, like following that, we took a deep dive into my audience. And, you know, when I first started date night, I had intended on it being for men. And I thought it was going to be like this easy button for planning a night out um, based on like a guy showing up with a with a plan. He's like, I got this. Um, but no, 75% of my audience was women and women were being engaged with our content. They're the ones that were tagging their boyfriends in the in the post like, um, and that to me was a missed opportunity because I looked at that and I was like, I'm not doing anything for women, you know, doing trivia night for like with Seinfeld. I'm like, that's kind of a guy thing. And okay, well, if it's all women, what do women want? And we came up with an idea for a brunch and, you know, call it stereotypical, but women love brunch. We do. We just <laughs> yeah, do. We do. Uh, we do. Um, and so this idea came up uh, called Babes Who Brunch, which has now become the signature event of the ACE class. And really, this is when, you know, even the first inklings of this uh, of this movement um, came to be. So Michelle said she was going to speak at the first event. She sponsored the first event. We put it up on date night. We sold it out really quickly. And it was 
the end of January 2017 and we filled the room at market with um, 50 women and I can't really describe to you Rachel like the energy that I felt in that room and I was it was something I hadn't experienced before and the event went really really well um, we had women coming together in a way that I hadn't seen um, you know, when you come to an ACE event, we, we separate you. We don't let you sit beside the friend that you came with. And, you know, at first we got a lot of hesitation and people were like, uh, what, what did I just sign up for? But at the end of the event, people were thanking us because they got the opportunity to sit beside someone new, kind of push themselves out of their comfort zone. Um, Michelle got the opportunity to share her story. And so this, uh, that desire that I had from the magazine about sharing stories, this was coming to life again for me in the form of this brunch and um so we did another one did another one in february we did another one in march and by the end of march i i knew um i knew that this was a movement on its own and the feedback i was getting from the community and the women that were coming to the brunch were asking what else what else? What else? This is so amazing. This is something I, you know, I have haven't experienced before or I thought I was missing in my life and, you know, I just didn't know. And, you know, what else are you doing? And so here I am not knowing that I'm starting another business, but I'm totally starting another <laughs> business. Here we go. Um, and so I put my head down and I, and I really started thinking about what the, what the vision could look like and all the things that we could offer. And I really started digging deep into my background and, you know, all these feelings that I had had about women. And I think something really common that I hear from women is it's more comfortable to walk into a room full of men than it is to walk into a room full of women. And that's crazy, you know? And personally, I believe that that comes from a place that women are so hard on themselves that we compete with one another because we think we can't rise together. Or we think if another woman is succeeding, there's not enough space for us. Or if another woman looks great, we feel shitty. And, you know, these are things that I've battled internally for a long time. And I just, I felt like, okay, that enough is enough. Like, what can we do about this? And how can we break down those barriers to connect women and um, provide a space where we can truly thrive together and build together? And so I, you know, I, I, again, audaciously, um, I sat down, I built the business plan and my fiance and I were in New York around this time in the fall and we'd been doing these events successfully in Calgary and I wanted to think bigger and go bigger and do more. And so I said, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna expand this business across Canada this year. Like it's going to happen. I'm going, I'm doing it six cities. And James, who's my biggest fan, um, he's like, okay, babe, like, good luck with that. Uh, don't know if you know how crazy that is, but I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And by the time we had got back from that trip, I was getting on planes and planning my next trip and updating my Facebook status with like, hey, any girls in Toronto want to run events? Like, DM me. And here I was having coffee in Toronto and um, making a plan for, for that. So, so Ace... Um, you know, like I said, it kind of happened by accident, but is incredibly intentional with our mission and vision and, and the work that we're doing. And um, now we have expanded to six cities and we did that in less time than I had planned, um, which is now, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. We're seeing a community of women grow across the country. Um, we've had like 6,000 women out to our events so far, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. 
um, yeah, so that's kind of how, that's how it that's how it started. That 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 brings us to today. So we're in Vancouver, Edmonton, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, Toronto, and Calgary, which is crazy. And I've been to obviously the Calgary ones, but I've been to Edmonton. I've been to Winnipeg. Yeah, and you you wouldn't. Sometimes you get worried about going to other cities because mm-hmm. like, it's not the same feeling, or what if it's? But you go and it's we're all the same people, and it's yeah. really interesting like energy that you get that like doesn't matter where you are, like women are coming together because they want to, they want to eat brunch, but they also, mm-hmm. they want to be together and join a community. So it's yeah. really interesting to, to see that the same, your intention has been able to spread throughout yeah. the whole country. And I was worried about that too, actually. Um, and I remember cause the first, uh, the first one we did was in, uh, was in Edmonton in January and yeah, same. I was like, Oh my God, it's the same. Right. Like, it's still totally the same. And then Vancouver, it was the same. Although Vancouver didn't buy tickets until the night before. Like, right. so different types so, of people live in Vancouver. So flaky. Like, everyone's like drinking their smoothies and yeah. yoga. They can't come to brunch. But no, um, it was, it, it's been really incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And so um, at every event, you ask people like, if this is their first ACE event. And usually there's like half the people put up their hand. So what do you feel that people are coming to your events for? Like, why do these women come together? Do you, do you know? Have you ever talked to people about why they show up to these events? Like for the first time, like they've been going on forever, so people know about them, but like they chose this one to come to. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, well, a lot of people don't get it until they come. And so we're, you know, we do talk to people and ask why. And sometimes it's being attracted to the particular speaker of that event. So they connect or relate to them or have a personal relationship with them. And, um, and then they come and and then they realize it's so much more than that. Um, but honestly, the, the biggest thing that, you know, fills our room with 50% new people every time is it's word of mouth and they've heard about it through someone else or they're like, you know, my friend came and, and they told me to come and I came by myself and this was amazing. And it's that desire for connection. Um, and we see a very broad um, audience of women. Like originally when it was, you know, just kind of starting out within date night, it was that date night audience it was like 27 to 34. Now we see anyone from like, you know, early 20s to their 60s. And that's really, really cool because the one thing that that the whole group has in common is a desire for personal growth and a desire for connection. They come to our events for connection or inspiration. Like the, those are the two things we constantly are hearing regardless of, you know, the age or where they're at or if they're an entrepreneur or a professional. Right. Well, the speakers are always amazing. Mm-hmm. They're always inspirational. I know. I like feel I have so many like pages and pages of like random notes that are just in my in my <laughs> phone that I'm like little nuggets that I get from every single one of them. I feel so grateful. It's like yeah, I'm a little life coach once a month. This is really all just for Mandy, so that she basically, can learn basically. <laughs> um, and what would you tell people who are the women who are intimidated to show up to these events? If you don't have a friend that you can go with, or you, because like we said, walking into a whole room of women can be challenging mm-hmm. so what do you tell those women that are like oh, I want to go but like I just can't because I'm scared I tell them to just do it and I relate it back to a story that's like you know I, I mean I have hundreds of stories like this but something that really has stood out to me and I really think about often is when I was a mortgage broker um you know working in that industry it's a hundred percent like your hustle so you have to like the bigger your network is the bigger your opportunity to sell things and I learned that early on and I would go to these uh networking breakfast and networking meetings all the time and I'd go with a pocket full of business cards and like fully intended on like handing out all my business cards, going and doing my elevator pitch and, you know, walking out of there. And I'm like, yes, but that never happened. I would walk into this room full of people and 
I would be so afraid to introduce myself. Like this was imposter syndrome. This was, I didn't have that vocabulary back then because I was 20 years old. But when I look back now, I was like, that was imposter syndrome showing up. I felt like I wasn't enough to even go and say like, hi, I'm Andy Balik and this is what I do and this is what I can offer you. And I used to hide in the bathroom when it was my time to introduce myself and they would go around in the circle and they would make everyone do that. Um, I would literally like either pretend I was on my phone, go outside. Like I was some big hotshot, big deal. I'm like, Oh, working on a big deal. No, I was terrified. And I missed so many opportunities because of that. Uh, and that was, I had full control over that. So I promise you like the way that we set up our events is 100% considering the introvert in the room. And I am an introvert. I'm perceived as an extrovert because I can talk on a microphone and whatever, but I fully, like, I, I, that's, this is hard for me. And so I think about that. I think about the level of preparedness that you need and the information that you need in order to feel like you belong. And, you know, that's something as simple as, like, getting an email the day before, like, here's what to expect or here's what to wear or, you know, maybe think about this. And when you get through the door, we give you the first line. We give you, you know, it's either like a little conversation starter or something that is a tool that will help you and prepare you to walk up to a complete stranger and find out who they are as a person, not what they do for work or not what you do for work. Right. You know? And that's so important. Right. No, I think it's... And it is. You just have to go. Like, just... Everyone's there feeling the same way, so you just have to remember that. That everyone is a little bit nervous to talk to everybody. They do. And you totally have to think that way. You're like, if this person is... That's like the resting bitch face thing, right? It's like... Oh, totally. (laughs) Don't take it personally. That person's just as insecure as you. Yeah. They're just, like, holding their face. They don't even know they're... Yeah, they don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And you mentioned imposter syndrome, which was farther down on my list, but we'll talk about it now since you brought it up. So, um, do you still deal with that? imposter syndrome or how have you learned to overcome it? Yeah, all the time. Um, all the time. However, I guess the difference between, you know, 20 year old Mandy and 31 year old Mandy is that I can notice when it's there. And when you notice it's there, you can kind of, you know, you're in control of that voice. You're in control, the energy that you feed to that voice. And what I have learned about that imposter syndrome or that inner critic is that it's never there to support you. It is always there to be an asshole, (laughs) you know, and you have to just notice when it's there and notice when it's creeping up and then find that strength or that, you know, that, that ambition inside of you to just rise up and rise above it. And I know that sounds It sounds easier said than done. And certainly some days are harder than not. And I still skip events because I'm like, I don't want to talk to those people or whatever, but you know, or I don't feel good enough to talk to those people or like, who am I? But at the end of the day, what coaches me out of that is like, what do I have to lose? Right? Right. So, and often it's like just this like fear of looking bad that we get stuck in and that's no way to live your life. Right. So, and like you said before, like you're missing out on so many opportunities if you let that voice take over, Mm -hmm. over your life or the event or whatever is coming up for you. Totally. And so what advice would you give people who want to start their own business? You've obviously started a couple businesses. So Mm -hmm. what are your top lessons for people if they want to start their own? Um, it's hard. Like I would, 
if I could go back and start all over again, um, I would have tried to build a, a bit of a, a mentor network around me or sat down and talked to more people. Um, and then, you know, when I shared earlier, like I was scared to tell people my idea cause they thought that they were going to steal it. Like no one has time to steal your idea is my like top advice. So tell right. as many people about your idea as possible. Um, cause what you gain from sharing is you can get your ideas validated. Um, and not in the sense where like, you don't want to call up your best friend and talk about this. You want to talk about, talk about this with someone that's going to challenge you. Someone that's been in that industry that could potentially be a customer of yours and say, Hey, is this a problem that you think really needs to be solved? And if I solved it, would you be my customer? Like straight up. And I think if I had done that from um, early on, I think I, I think I would have had an easier time in those first days, like, tr- you know, trying to sell because I just kind of created the problem and said like, oh, I think that this would be a great way to fix it. And I've had to pivot a hundred times since then. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think it's just, it's about, um, it's about getting your idea out there, being challenged by the right people. Um, make sure those people aren't your friends that are just going to sugarcoat things. Um, and finding a mentor. And I guess there's also a tip that comes along with, with finding a mentor is that if someone is going to give you their time, their time is their most valuable asset. And so be gracious with that. Ensure that you're respectful. If you make a meeting with them, show up, buy them coffee, buy them a drink and be grateful for that. And, you know, some of the best mentors that I, I have had, um, now it's a two way street. And I'm really grateful for that because I can call them up and I can, I can get support when I need it, but they can also call me up and I can give them the support when I need it too. So recognize if you're going to ask for something that you need to be offering something in return. Right. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome. And how do you, how do you balance everything? Do you have a life work balance or (laughs) it's called, it's called gorgeous chaos, Rachel. (laughs) Um, you know, I've, I kind of joke that I'm just like super comfortable in chaos at this point. Um, starting three startups in six years is nuts. Like I, it's nuts. And you know, my biggest effort right now is sustainability and like ensuring that, you know, Ace is around for the long haul, date nights around for the long haul. And, um, I just, there's no such thing as balance. Um, freedom is something I value as one of my core values. And how I define freedom is being able to, you know, work on things I feel passionate about, where I feel passionate, when I feel passionate, right? And um, that takes a lot of work and takes a lot of responsibility and it takes a lot of organization. Um, And so the best thing that I can do is kind of pencil in time for myself and um, something I wish I had done more of from the start. Uh, Your emails are still going to be there when you, you know, take a weekend off, trust me. Um... It's if you can figure out time management and being efficient, then you'd actually be surprised how much time you can save when, you know, you're not just scrolling Instagram all day. Like realistically, if you're on that 10 times a day, you're there's a couple hours there that you could gain back and do something for your mental health or your well-being or hit a spin class or whatever it is that, you know, makes you feel good. Right. Do you have any special thing you do to disconnect or recharge? What's your favorite thing to do well, that really gets yeah. you back down? <laughs> I think definitely for me, it's fitness. Um, endorphins are a real thing. And uh, so that's kind of my time. 
Um, and I love going to spin because it's kind of an individual thing. The lights are low, the music is loud. And, um, I used to teach, I taught for like six years. And so I actually have this little teacher voice in my head now when I go to classes, that's like, this is what you make of it. This is what you make of it. Like get back to this moment, get back to this moment. And, um, that's really important too, because if you're carving out that time for yourself, um, you have to work really hard to ensure that you don't waste that time thinking about other things or letting, you know, all those things, those other disruptions come into that time. Right. So that's really, um, that's kind of my thing and scheduling it in is really important. Like on Sunday night, I'll get on mind body and I'll schedule all my classes for the week and try and make that non-negotiable. Um, but, uh, there's that. And then the mountains, like, you know, we're, we're so lucky in Calgary to be able to just kind of jump in the car and head to the mountains. And there's something about mountain air that is very cleansing. And, uh, it's, you know, I always have really nice time to think up there. Um, and going to a place that lacks Wi-Fi is always a good <laughs> idea. So Emerald Lake is like the go-to yes. if you've, if you've got a whole weekend to kill, I suggest going there. Cause as soon as you get to BC, like the Wi-Fi signal goes and you're like, eh, no one can find me. So yeah, yeah. I've been there. Yeah. It's <laughs> the best. No, that's, it's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and we'll just, this isn't like a relationship podcast by any means, but James is an entrepreneur himself, runs Fiasco. If anyone, I'm sure everyone has had Fiasco Gelato probably in their freezer right now. Um, so how have you guys managed to not kill each other, both running businesses and be able to support each other? What's well, your advice for, for couples in that situation? Well, we've certainly tried to kill each other multiple <laughs> times. So I'll just, I'll be real about that. Um, it's been hard for sure. Um, and I would say earlier on in our relationship, we definitely battled a lot with it. Um, but I'm also so grateful and I would never, like, I would, I would never be able to be with another person like being an entrepreneur and being with an entrepreneur is a very powerful thing. We get each other. Um, he understands the work required. And, you know, sometimes our date night is our laptops out in a bottle of wine. And I appreciate that so much, you know, because sometimes you just got to do it. And we make the absolute most of it. And we coach each other too. Like, we, you know, and, and that's been another thing that's been important that we find the boundary of like, uh, the difference between needing your partner to be your partner and the difference between your partner and you need to be a coach or something like that and like asking for permission for feedback and and all those kinds of things that that's we've invested a lot of work in um a lot of work in communication a lot of work in boundaries and things like that and um yeah I think overall like he like I said like he's my biggest fan and I am to him and same with that like mentorship piece it's two ways so you know the days that I come home and I'm like hey I really need your help with this or like hey we need to do a business plan can I buy you a beer um you know in the same respect he says that to me and you know he's like hey just really need to like talk through this issue and I can I can give him kind of my eyes on it and and we really support each other so that's been a learning we've been together for four and a half years and um it's been it's it certainly has been a lot of struggle but we definitely are each other's like biggest supporter now yeah that's amazing mm -hmm. uh, a couple questions left so what is a tool or resource or life hack that you would recommend to listeners oh gosh um <laughs> um well I think for me like so that uh 
that fitness thing and like carving out the time, um, scheduling everything is the only way I can survive. (laughs) It really is. So I live and die by my calendar, like to the point of here's where all of my spin classes are going to be. And yeah, it's at 6am, but it's still in my calendar. And I see that every day. Um, you know, here's where if I have like a big project going on, you need to make sure that you carve that time out to work on it. So you don't just pack your day full of meetings. You need to pack in, you need to like carve out those two hours that are needed for that proposal or, you know, needed to prepare ahead of meetings. And that's the biggest thing is like organization time management. Um, And, you know, if it comes down to uh, really just thinking about the the day ahead. And sometimes that means like packing your gym bag the night before and planning your outfit the night before so that it actually happens. Um, You just have to learn how to like set yourself up for success, especially if you're going to take on a lot. Um, Otherwise you'll just go crazy. Yeah, just drown in (laughs) all the things you said. Yeah, (laughs) so I would say calendar is the most important thing and like setting yourself up those boundaries within there of your time and uh, the time that you're going to offer to others. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Tell us about the ACE class. What events do you have coming up that people can come experience the ACE class? Yeah. We also have a podcast. We do. Um, ACE Talks just started. um, So that's been a fun project. Um, So you can find us on uh, all platforms uh, under ACE Talks. Um, Our upcoming events. So I know you're going to be like famous and have listeners all across Canada. (laughs) So for all our Canadian babes that are listening, we have so many fun things happening. Um, If you check out the website every single month, we have our signature event, which is Babes Who Brunch. And that is definitely the first event that I would recommend everybody to come to. Um, You really get to see the ACE values shine. You get to meet awesome ladies, hear really inspirational talks and get some really impactful takeaways um, for kind of wherever you're at in your journey. So in Calgary, specifically, um, October 20th, so that's Saturday, um, we have Jen Mahalko speaking uh, for Parts and Labor at Babes Who Brunch. And then we have Toast, which is our morning mindfulness event that's kind of a panel talk. Um, And we've got that one is called Wonder Woman, which is next Tuesday, um, October 23rd. And you can find out about all those on our website. And save the date for International Women's Day 2018. You heard it here first. 2019. 19. 2019. Save the date. International Women's Day. We have something really, really special planned. Um, And it's going to be kind of our first little ACE conference um, here in Calgary. And then we hope to be traveling with that across the country. Cool. Yes. That's very exciting. What are the social handles that people can find at the ace class i hate saying underscore but it's at the ace class underscore i feel bad for like the next generation what are they even going to do with instagram handles they're just going to kill instagram (laughs) totally yes so you can find us on uh twitter instagram facebook at the ace class underscore uh the website is theaceclass.com awesome well thank you so much for sharing your journey and your advice for everyone thanks so much for having me rachel 